0: So, I'm sitting here with Jason Newman here at Remax Kelowna. We are fellow realtors in this office. Uh, Jason and his family have lived in the beautiful city of Kelowna for 15 years now. And he sells real estate locally. His focus is lifestyle, recreational, and new home sales. Jason absolutely believes in putting his clients' needs and wants at the forefront of everything that he does. Jason has an extensive background in the construction industry, so today I want to talk to Jason about his experience as a realtor here in Kelowna, and in particular, some of the regulatory changes all of us as realtors are facing right now.
1: Thanks, Luke. Uh, First of all, thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm honoured that uh, you chose me to be part of uh, your show. Uh, In terms of uh, my upbringing, I grew up in the Lower Mainland. I was uh, born in New Westminster, moved around a little bit, but ultimately settled in Abbotsford. Uh, Lived there nearly 30 years. Relocated to the Okanagan about 15 years ago. Ironically, uh, I moved up to do um, recreational sales at Big White Ski Resort. So I worked with a relative there and did a lot of uh, new construction marketing uh, with my relative up there. Lived on the hill for two years, Mm -hmm. uh, got paroled, as I call it, (laughs) and then moved down to Kelowna. So 15 years in the Okanagan, 13 years here in Kelowna. Uh, Been a real estate agent, essentially, ever since I moved up here. Uh, As you had already mentioned, uh, my background is uh, nearly 30 years in construction. Uh, Mm i Going back into the uh, 80s, uh, my parents used to build um, land Strata complexes and multifamily buildings and such. So I've done everything from you know doing the forms to handing over keys to clients. Uh, as you mentioned, I also had run a lumberyard, which I really enjoyed doing. Then I uh, built uh, roof trusses for a couple of years. Uh, Moved into the engineering department where I was a liaison between the guys that built the trusses and the engineering department, did shipping, receiving. So I've kind of done a little bit of (laughs) stuff over the years here.
0: I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but uh, do you remember the time when you first realized you're going to be a real estate salesperson and kind of get out of the construction business?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So ironically, when I was uh, living in Abbotsford and I was working at uh, the uh, trust manufacturing company, our principal owner, uh, his name was Ken, had suggested to me, he says, you know, Jason, you uh, you've done a lot of different things here, but your true gifting is networking and your true gifting is in the ability to relate to people. Mm-hmm. You should really consider real estate. And that really kind of set a bit of a bug in my ear, if you will. And and gave me a bit of a fire. And it's something that uh, I learned uh, about myself. I love working with people. The idea of taking somebody from no market knowledge to giving them the keys to their home, that whole process excites me. I think it's so uh, amazing that somebody puts their trust in you and says, hey, uh, can you you help walk me through the steps of what uh, a home buying process will look like? And uh, I, to be honest with you, I have a real um, affinity, if you will, a natural uh, draw to first-time home buyers. There's just something about that nervous energy that mm-hmm. I just adore and love. Um, you know, I, I have a funny story. One time I was uh, showing a home and uh was a seven, eight-year-old boy, and he makes this major statement to his mom and dad, which is, this room is perfect for my Hot Wheels track. Right. So he was, you know, essentially saying to mom and dad, um, you know, I want this house. And, you know, those are the stories that I love because it just shows you just the human aspect and the emotions mm-hmm. that people have when it comes to home ownership. And yeah. uh, I just thrive. I,
0: I just love that stuff. I really, really do. That's awesome. Uh, Jason, I think you know, but um, I'm a huge fan of personal transformation stories. And how did a person get from here to there? Um, I'm assuming you're not the exact same person you were 20 years ago. Do you have a a story from your past that, uh, if someone just met you today and they heard this story, they'd have a hard time almost believing that that was you, something that has changed significantly in your way of thinking, your way of acting and a story that highlights that.
1: Absolutely. Um, When I was, uh, first of all, I'll tell you a little bit of background story here to lead up to uh, the thing you want me to share. So uh, I was married for uh, 13 years, separated and then divorced after 15 total years of marriage. I had three kids and, uh, you know, unfortunately you never plan for divorce, but it does happen. Uh, During my married life, I didn't realize that um, my self-worth, Uh, the way that I looked at myself, the way that uh, I treated myself in terms of my mind, body, and spirit. I just kind of let it go to the wayside, and I lost myself in the marriage uh, to the point where I remember when all was said and done, even thinking, like, what's my favorite color? Mm -hmm. I was just so lost. Uh, So I've been divorced approximately six years now, thereabouts, and I can tell you the biggest transformation that I had was realizing that I was significantly overweight. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't know it at the time, but I would go into meetings or I would be out for a lunch. And I'd be sweating profusely all the time. And I just thought, oh, well, that's just the natural state of the way I am. And a big part of being in real estate is, you know, we're go, go, go all the time so an average day for me would look like i would get out of bed uh i'd quickly run the kids to school get them all sorted out like making the lunches and do all that stuff get them to school as i mentioned and then i'd grab a coffee and then i'd go do showings and meetings and everything oops i missed lunch now all of a sudden it's three o'clock now i'm hangry so i got a headache low blood sugar all that stuff and it's two hours till dinner so what do you do we might as well wait the two hours till dinner So then I'd go to have dinner, but I wouldn't just have a plate because I'd basically been essentially starving my body all day. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'd have two massive, sometimes three massive helpings of dinner, and then I'd snack all night, and I would just repeat this process over again. So what I didn't realize was I had essentially trained my body to gorge itself and to store fat because it didn't know when it was going to eat again. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my paradigm shift very quickly was I started to eat breakfast, and then I would just have a small, modest lunch, mm-hmm. and then just have a normal helping at dinner time. And believe it or not, it, as shocking as it is to me still, when I say this, I've lost sixty pounds.
0: Wow.
1: I don't sweat. I um, if I sweat, it's because I'm exercising. Okay. Um, I've really the, my my major paradigm shift is I started to think about me. And not in a selfish way, not in a life is all about me and gimme, gimme, gimme. Much more in, Jason, if you don't take care of certain aspects in your life, things Mm -hmm. are not going to go well. So the physical was definitely part of it. The mental was a tough one because being through divorce and having three kids and watching the negative effects that it can have on them was really hard. Mm -hmm. So I had to make peace with that. And I had to realize what are the changes that I'm making in my life that I've also made for my children's life. So essentially getting my house in order. And then lastly was spiritual. Uh, from a spiritual um, side of uh, things, I had uh, moved away from concerning myself with anything faith-based and just really kind of isolated myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure some people, your, some of your listeners can relate to this, but when you go through a traumatic time like that divorce is very much like a death Mm -hmm. it's an emotional death uh you're connected with that person on every level and when that goes away it's hard and so that's what I had to do I had to reconcile in my mind how am I gonna change and and do right by myself so all of those things culminated together um resulted in me having more energy for my kids uh being able to go to events and not sit there and sweat profusely Mm -hmm. um you know you want to talk about paradigm shifts my son would uh practice hockey here locally at prospera place and uh while he was practicing i ran every last set of stairs in prospera place i don't know how many hundreds or thousands of stairs it is but i would do that while he's practicing because the state of mind is i can sit in a seat and chat for an hour which would be good i mean it's good to relate to people Or I can take that opportunity and I can exercise and I can do something positive for me. And so it's just, I just find that, uh, everything just falls into alignment Mm -hmm. and that's what was so drastically missing in my life. So it wasn't just about the weight loss. The weight loss was the physical appearance to others, Mm -hmm. but others have also noticed I'm a much more happier, much more, um, uh calm person Mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't always that way sometimes I would find myself to be over the top very frustrated Mm -hmm. and uh, that's really tough to be motivated in the morning when you're feeling all these um, uh, outside uh, stresses if you will
0: Mm -hmm. well that is a surprising story because I've known you for a couple of years and uh, you're laid-back guy very slim Very positive. Uh, So I think probably the low blood sugar in the diet affected your moods as well, not just your weight. But um, thank you for sharing that story. I did not know that about you. Um, So if you could go on a time machine and advise your younger self, you saw a younger version of yourself acting this way, skipping meals, gorging yourself, uh, what would you tell your younger self Don't be so stupid.
1: (laughs) Uh, In all seriousness, I would tell my younger self, it's okay to take care of oneself. It's okay to do things that you enjoy doing. You don't have to feel guilt uh, as a parent. And again, I'm sure your listeners can relate to this. Uh, When you are a parent, you sometimes just say, well, no, I don't have time for me. You know, I'm going to do everything for my kids. And that is good and that is noble. But that well can run dry. Mm -hmm. And then your kids look at you and say, well, you know, you don't have energy or we're not doing stuff together because you're just burnt out. Mm -hmm. So you've got to also do things that I term are life-giving, that bring positive uh, feelings and emotions into your life. And that you get excited about when you wake up in the morning. So sometimes when I get stressed, uh, I'll just go to a local driving range Mm -hmm. and I'll whack the crap out of a bucket of balls. Right. Just to get whatever I'm feeling inside out to take stress relief. And I walk away from there and I feel like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. I just feel really good because I, uh, you know, it's, it's intention.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: think that's the biggest thing. My intention, uh, when I was overweight was just to get through the day. So it's survival mode. Mm-hmm. My intention today is to take care of myself so that I do have the best version of myself. Mm hmm for others as in my clients most importantly my kids you know my friends my family I always want to be the best version of myself and the only way to do that is to start out every single day with intention to say I'm gonna do these positive things Mm -hmm. so that I have positive income so it was a bit of a vicious cycle there when uh, I didn't really have a lot of hope I think that's probably a big part of it I felt very lost I felt very um vanilla Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be vanilla. I want to be, you know, a little bit of spice. I want to be a little bit of salt, uh, flavor, if you will, in life. And, you know, I have, uh, now we're getting real personal here. (laughs) I have a real genuine um, love for the lost. Mm. I don't know what it is, but there's just something in me that says I need to, um, sorry.
0: Do you mean... People have passed away. No, nope.
1: uh, the loss—the people like me who they've given up. I see. They—they um, they don't know what is wrong. They just know that something's wrong, and they—they they don't know how to go about doing it. So, you know, crazy example. Last night, I was out at one of our. Uh, brand new uh, eateries, which, by the way, I'm a total foodie. So if you ever want to know anything to do with cologne and food, feel free to call or text me anytime because, trust me, I've been there and I've eaten there. Uh, But anyway, I had uh, a friend of mine that, um, you know, took me to the side and she was sharing some real personal hurts, some things that she was going through. And kind of midway through, she would say, you know, I don't even know why I'm telling you all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And in in my mind, I know why because I... um, I think I'm one of these individuals that when you meet me, you realize, hey, I can trust this guy. I can talk to him about things. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean by I have a real heart for the lost. I'm not talking like people that are geographically lost. Right. I'm talking they've lost their direction in their life. Right. And they're hurting and they're in pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I've walked a mile in a lot of different types of shoes. And I've gone from a very sympathetic person to a very empathetic person in my life,
0: so. So you are a successful realtor, fifteen years now. Uh, much more empathetic person than you were when you were younger. Much better physical shape. Was it all when you decided to make that change, and you changed your intention? was it all smooth sailing for the last 15 years (laughs) or did you have any setbacks and maybe talk a little bit about setbacks how you deal with them so if someone has decided to change their intention and their course in life they're going to have setbacks right how do you deal with those how do you get past them two answers
1: to that there's the personal side and then there's the business side from the personal side where i've had setbacks and oh boy i'm being very vulnerable and honest here um there are days where I do an exchange with my ex-wife and I will go home and I will slump down in my chair I call the captain's chair and I'll cry because I really feel that look what I've done the negative harm all those things that I've done to my children and I know that that's negative energy and I know that you know the kids tell me all the time they're so much happier they're very happy for me uh, I think they're happier with their mom just everything is better So the battle there is to forgive myself and to say the decision that I made might on the onset have some consequences, Mm -hmm. but long term, it was the best thing that I could have done for myself and for my kids. So that can be a battle sometimes. I'm not going to beat around the bush. There are days where I'm like, man, oh man, that is really hard to swallow that. You know, I might have brought that kind of Mm -hmm. thing to them. And then beyond that, obviously... There are times when it comes to eating where, because I am a foodie, you know, I want to go out all the time and eat, and that's just not realistic. So I've got to be intentional and say, no, your breakfast is at home, or you're going to have lunch, but not out. You're going to have it at the office, maybe go out for dinner, but you can't do that all the time. You can't go out and eat all the time because, you know, food is, you know, it can become a coping mechanism and that I don't want to allow. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't go to the gym every day. I really (laughs) need to. But one of the things that I try to do is exercise at home and be, again, intentional with that. From a business standpoint, when it comes to real estate, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here, Mm -hmm. Luke, but at the end of the day, real estate can be a very, very uh, challenging job. We have, as Organized Real Estate, the most amazing role in somebody's life to help them win uh in a multiple offer situation or achieve the dream of home ownership Mm -hmm. but sometimes that doesn't always work out and when it does it's almost impossible at times not to take that personally Mm -hmm. and part of the challenges as a real estate agent and to be a good real estate agent is learning how to deal with the ebb and flow the highs and the lows so As an example for your listeners for highs is it just seems that no matter what deal you're writing an offer on and presenting, everything's just clicking. It's like cogs in a wheel. Everything is just coming together. And you're like, my goodness, like this job is amazing. It's so easy. But then you go on a run where it just doesn't matter what you do. It seems like you're fighting an uphill battle Offers are not working out or, you know, home inspection goes sideways, whatever it is. And it's like, can't anything go right for me? Right. Right. So sometimes it feels very cruel and unforgiving. We have these really extreme bookends in our business. But an agent worth their salt is the one that is able to take those emotions and put them to to the side and to stay the course. See the direction and achieve the goal. Not letting the clients take on extra stress, Right, but taking it away and saying, hey, I'm here every step of the way. I'm going to help you stick handle through some of these issues. We're going to pull those emotions away because we want you to achieve your dream. Now, sometimes, and I've done this before, and uh, my manager brokers would shoot me if they hear this, but I don't care, <laughs> I'm going to still say it. There are times where I have talked to buyers, where I've advised them, I think we're off where we need to be. And what I mean by that is they say, well, you know, we want this kind of house and these are the sorts of things that are really important to us, but the house that they want to write on is nowhere near close. Mm -hmm. So then I have to ask them, well, have we had a paradigm shift in our thinking or are we feeling like we just need to offer on something? So I've actually convinced clients in a positive way. I think we're not being true to who we are and what we need to do. And they haven't proceeded with that offer any further. Or they've gone and said, no, you're right, Jason, we shouldn't write on this one because we do need a two-car garage. Why are we looking at something with a carport? Mm -hmm. So it's those kinds of things. I think, you know, my opinion is this, the buying public wants transparency. Mm -hmm. They want to know that we're a conduit. And not a filter that anything and everything that we know about a house a neighborhood whatever it is we're just telling them and we don't pretend for a second that we know what is or is not important to them we give them the information and they make those decisions so bringing the wagons around if you will part of the challenge in real estate is working with those super highs and then the lows you know some of the lows even where really good people who you just adore because they're just genuine good-natured people and they get denied a mortgage.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And the pain and the frustration that you see them go through when they're like, we have to wait another year or maybe two years for part of our credit to be repaired or whatever it is, a bigger down payment for them to be able to go back out and, and to do this. Those are really hard conversations to have and those can take it out of you so you know again going back to my commentary ebb and flow you know your highs are your highs your lows are your lows so yeah that's something I've definitely had to learn how to have balance and then of course I'm still I'm still a single dad of three so one of my other challenges is coming home and saying you know I've kind of had a bit of a crappy day that's not my kids problem right my kids need the best version of Jason Newman yeah so I gotta take the realtor hat off the dad hat goes on And let's do this, kids. Let's go out and have fun. I always like to tell the kids, okay, daddy's home. Let's party. So what are we going to do? So that's kind of our fun way of kicking off an evening together. How old are your kids now? Okay, so I have uh, the 15-year-old teenager. You can feel sorry for me now. (laughs) (laughs) we have got one. Yeah, I've got the 12-year-old, so the tween. Uh, He's my ginger. And then I've got the 8-year-old princess. And I'm not going to lie to you, she owns me. What she wants, she gets. I'm just going to say it the way it is.
0: <laughs> Be careful with that. In seven years, we'll we'll have a conversation about that. That could bite you, uh, as you know from experience. So um, I want to get back to real estate in a minute. But first, Jason, you were on a TV show about a year ago, I think. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So about a year ago, last July, CBC came out and filmed uh, my apparently interesting life, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, with myself and my kids and how it all came to be, it was very interesting, my sister, bless her heart. Uh, was on, I think, Facebook, and she saw this thing for, are you 50-plus and single with kids? We want to hear from you. So she wrote the producers of the show uh, Frantic Films and says, you know, I have a brother. He's in his mid-40s. Would that be something of interest to you? And they wrote her back immediately and said, yeah, we would really love it. So anyway, uh, funny thing, when we finished doing the whole shoot, I took the whole film crew and everybody out for dinner and the executive producer of the show said to me you know Jason one of the reasons we chose you was during your Skype interview we asked you a very simple question which is what's the dating scene like in Kelowna and your response was brutal <laughs> so because of that apparently they thought I was like their guy but it was really cool and, and I'll, I'll tell you the reason I did the show uh, it was called Stats of Life, and my segment was on dating. So they wanted to uh, show Canadians, uh, you know, like a single dad of three. They had a single gal from Vancouver Island, and then they had a couple from back east. So just different kind of dynamics and demographics there. And, um, yeah, I mean, they they came out to Kelowna. They, they filmed my my life for five days. They set me up on a blind date. It was a lot of fun. It was at a local winery here at Summerhill Winery. We had a private wine tasting. I got to Sabre uh, sparkling wine. You can't call it champagne because apparently it's not from France. So there's all these rules or whatever. And it was just a lot of fun. It was a really good date. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And the, the idea was they wanted um, just to see what my life looked like. But I did it for my kids because I wanted my kids to be able to say they were on national television. So, you know, they filmed us at a beach. Uh, we went up to uh, Davidson Orchard in Vernon. And it was, just, it was just a lot of fun. I learned a lot about myself um, because, you know, obviously you're miked mm-hmm. at all times. And it was cool because the guy that did all of that uh, did the Amazing Race. In both Canada and the U.S., so it was cool talking to him off camera, the stories that he had and all that other stuff. But uh, amazing, those those microphones are so sensitive that a little little belch go underneath <laughs> yeah. my breath, and he points to me he goes, "Hurt it." <laughs> That's crazy. So you're totally exposed. I'm like, if I ever go to the washroom, that thing's not on, right? He's like, Oh no, I promise you. But I don't know. I mean, how do you? Get? I'm in a trusting position. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it was a lot of fun. And, and as I say, I learned a lot about myself as, as a single person and what it is. And, and the interesting thing is I'm not about online dating. I, I, don't, I don't buy into that. I don't like the swiping left or right business. I think it's very, I don't know. I, I just, for me personally, I felt very convicted. I felt like I was judging mm-hmm. strictly based on a photo. Well, if I don't read every bio, how do you know? Right. But who has time to read thousands of bios? Like, it's just insane. I'm just very old school. I'm cut from the old cloth of, I'm looking for that warm lead, meaning right. somebody that knows somebody that thinks, oh yeah, I think you guys might be a good fit. Right. That's the way I've always done my dating life. And, and I tried online dating and I just did not enjoy it. I, I just felt like I was a fish out of water. It was very uncomfortable for me right and uh I like to consider myself somewhat social so it, it was really hard to do online dating and I just didn't feel that there was an, a connectivity to it I'm more of a meat and potatoes kind of guy and right. you know, meet you in person
0: kind of thing so yeah well I can totally relate to that and I like what you said about warm leads because I'm I'm the same way with real estate I don't like to bother people when they're having dinner and I don't like cold calling and I don't like knocking on people's houses unless I'm doing it for a charity thing like we're gonna um we're gonna go door to door with our kids this fall and uh, try to get groceries for the uh, food drive and we're gonna have a branded bag grocery bag leave it with the homeowner for a week and then come back and pick it up so they'll have to see my logo and my A little illustration of my face and my cell phone number for a week, but we're doing something positive. That's so why I kind of view it the same way as I view dating. Like, I don't want to do cold calling, right? I want to meet people in person, and if we get to talking about that, great. Um, the new rules that have just come into effect make this operation a little more complicated. I'm totally happy to be transparent with... Uh, my clients, or new prospects. And I think it is important. And I do think that there are a handful of bad apples out there that gave us a bad reputation by not being really clear about their conflicts of interest um, and their intentions in talking to people. And I think transparency is a good thing. My concern is that I have a hard time getting people to read contracts today uh, as they are because they're so wordy and they're extremely important so I make people read them but it's hard to get people most of the time people are like I've made a decision show me where to sign and I just think that having extra paperwork is going to make this even harder Uh, most people do not want to deal with paperwork so what do you think
1: well, first of all, I want to go back to your commentary about real estate and dating. There are so many parallels and correlations there, it's ridiculous. We could spend hours on that topic, but uh, I just thought I would throw that uh, in there for the mix. You know, the, the reality is, going back to what you said a couple of moments ago, is you get a few bad apples and it has a negative ripple effect on the industry We are now the only province in all of Canada that uh, does not allow uh, what we term in our business double ending or representation of both a buyer and seller. You know, I've only done a handful of deals in almost 14, 15 years of doing this business. So really, from that point of view, it didn't have a dramatic effect on me. But there are a lot of people in our industry that that was kind of bread and butter. I understand the optics of it, and it's in the, what the council says is in the best interest of the public. It is more paperwork. There's no two ways about it. The reality is um, I don't know why anybody would not want to have an agency relationship with a real estate agent mm-hmm. as opposed to being unrepresented you know, unrepresented, you know, you get nothing. You you look at the realtor and the realtor is just an order taker. I mean, well, then what's the point of having a realtor if all you're doing is, you know, you know do this, do that. And the realtor, on the other hand, can't give any advice,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Once, once a, a client has said, no, I want unrepresented uh, relationship with you, all you can do is give them material facts about a property that they already have access to, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of stuff. And the reality is that's not a positive thing for the public. So, I mean, I don't push a position on that, but I simply say to people, listen, at the end of the day, you want to be able to ask me questions like, are there good schools nearby? Mm -hmm. Can you tell me what the market trends are for this area? What's the walk score? Like things that are, you know, very important for a potential purchaser. They should have representation. So I now... Um, based on these new rules, just like you are, Luke, we we now have to give these options to the general public, which they were more than aware of before, but now it's more black and white. But at the end of the day, I don't know why somebody who's looking to purchase a home wouldn't want representation and having somebody in
0: their corner, per se. I did quite a few double deals, and uh, I think the reason is because I would design my ads to with the buyer in mind, to appeal to that buyer. And especially with mobile homes, I find uh, the public in that price segment tends to respond to ads more, um, and they don't always have a realtor. Uh, So I would typically put a person in the customer position, not a dual agency, because I think it's problematic anyways. But I still felt it was okay for me to tell them uh, do you want to have an inspection? We should include this clause, not telling them what price to offer or you know anything confidential from the seller, but still trying to make the deal happen and say, "Listen, you should probably have a financing clause you 'll want your lawyer to review the title right giving them advice, but i don 't think advice that conflicted with my seller. you know, but we can 't even do that, now. we can 't even tell them what clauses to include, so like you said. Um, it would be almost crazy to not get your own realtor now if you're buying public and you're in that situation so in a way it uh, in a way it's a good thing because it's going to get more opportunities for realtors to be buyers agents now we're going to have to refer those people out
1: yeah and I mean really that's what it comes down to Um, real estate uh, has changes I mean that's just a given and some of them will be you know positive others will be a challenge and we're just going to forge
0: through it and and see it through. So I want to put you on the spot now can you name one person in Kelowna that you find to be a fascinating person and that you would like to see come on this show in the future?
1: Absolutely one of my absolute favorite people in Kelowna is Karen Mason from the Kelowna Women's Shelter. I think she is doing such an amazing thing for this town. Without getting into too many details, obviously there's some horrific examples of things that happen to women uh, through, you know, battered relationships and whatnot. And Karen is a bright shining light in this town. She has a heart of gold and I have just the utmost respect for her. So you need to get her on your show.
0: Okay. Thanks so much, Jason. Um, I want to thank you again for your time today and for coming on the show. We've got to know you a little bit better on a personal level. Um, What is the best way for someone to reach you if they want to talk about real estate Uh, or maybe just become a friend?
1: Call or text me on my cell phone number, 250-808-7700. Would love to hear from you. And Luke, thank you again very much for having me on your show. Much appreciated.